Hey, hey, it's Andy Yannis, and you're watching or listening to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma, presented by Clutch City Control Room. And on this episode, we're going to dive in a little bit about the Houston football team and their dynamic duo on offense with quarterback Clayton Toon, Nathaniel Dell. We talk some Big 12 news as they name their new commissioner, and we'll end it with some news and notes on the men's basketball team. Once again, Pod Slam and Jamma, check out our new intro. to the penalty. Look at the time he has and look at the throw and catch. Ted Dell touchdown Cougars. Drexler. the first half. There's Blair with the steal. Picked up by Cam Jones. On the offensive glass, so tough. And that's third game. Two possessions. Sasser tries and he hits. Toon has the receiver open. Touchdown, Herslow. They call him five slamma jamma. I really like the sound of that new intro, but as always, joining me, my co-host, Dayon Dunlap. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. You got to pat yourself on the back, man. That new intro is dope. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I joked in the group chat. I'm going to start adding that to my resume. I can uh, create intros now and, and be an audio mixer. But um, like I said, right off the gate. So let's jump into it. Um, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, the University of Houston announced that uh, their offensive duo quarterback, Clayton Toon, and Daniel Dell were named among seven Cougars to be named on the all State teams, um, looking at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, um, they revealed their 2022 preseason All-Texas College teams. And like I mentioned, uh, seven of them, seven Houston Cougars were named on either of those teams. So they had a first team and a second team. Houston had four athletes on that first team, which included Toon, Dell, uh, sophomore offensive lineman Patrick Paul, and senior defensive back uh Gervarius Owens and going to the second team uh, a couple of players that were on there was Christian Trahan uh, obviously of course the offensive lineman Derek Parrish and senior linebacker Donovan uh, Mutant so in total seven players uh, on that all Texas college team second behind only Texas A&M in the state of Texas so um, just building more excitement for the University of Houston football team but on this episode we're going to focus specifically on Clayton Toon and Daniel Dell and uh, I think it's a really good uh, timely relevant to it because as the Wednesday that we're recording this, the University of Houston football team official Twitter account dropped a, a bit of a kind of a hype video going looking into Clayton Toon and, and Nathaniel Dell. And so obviously there's going to be a lot of expectations with those two, just what they were able to do this past year in 2021. Uh, we've talked about it in the past, the huge jump that Clayton Toon made from the past uh, two seasons prior to 2021 and taking a huge leap. And, and obviously of course, putting that first game against Texas tech behind them. Um, he finished with 30 passing touchdowns to only 10 interceptions in 2021. Obviously of course, tank Dell, we know what he brings to the table. He had 12 receiving touchdowns in 2021 so Dayon, I'll toss it over to you what what do you think are the expectations should be for Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell and then what kind of what what's the ceiling for them going into 2022 well, well let's put a question out there for our listeners do you think um Toon and a and Tank will surpass their connection touchdown total from last year 12 touchdowns um for Tank last year do you think they're surpassed it? I think they will. But let, let's start with Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 
let's keep in mind, he had four interceptions in, in the first game of the season. So yeah. that's only six interceptions the rest of the season. So he definitely took three steps forward. And I'm really expecting him to take another step. He won um, an award at the Peyton Manning Passing Passing Academy account. And so I think his confidence is there. And really, I learned so much from afar watching Clayton Toon this past season when you had the struggles that he had in game one and all the criticism came down on him. What that showed me from the outside looking in was he's a tremendous leader. We um, you heard all the players backing to him, but for him yeah. to face that adversity and improve and get better and better, what that shows me as a former athlete, just knowing how it is competing, I think that builds trust within your your teammates and within the coaching staff. The coaching staff never wavered; they always said they trusted in him. Players said the same way, but it's on tune to produce, and he did. And I, I think he's going to take even three more steps this next season and have a really good season. So Clay's two knock on his throughout his career has been turnovers. I mean, his, he has the ability to make every throw on the field, and he also adds a dual threat ability. As long as he stays healthy, I expect him to really, really take a next step. And as far as Tank, we were talking off wheel air. Man, I think that kid is special. I think he really, really is special, elusive receiver. Um, he, he had a, some media availability earlier during this um, summer, and he talked about wanting to exceed his numbers last year. But one thing he talked about wanting to do more, add to his game, was more punt returning. And so I'm looking forward to see more of him on the special teams as well, see if he can create even more big plays with the ball in his hands because he's really, really elusive. No, yeah, for sure. And and, and kind of focusing on uh, the Clayton Toon and Nathaniel Dell uh, duel, per se, you said that Dell had 12 receiving touchdowns uh, this past year. Um, Ten of those were thrown by Clayton Toon. There were a couple in there that were uh, thrown by Ike Kabagu. And and, and I agree. I think um, obviously it's going to be a question for the fans, but I'll I'll take a stab at it first and, and answer it. I would, if I was to bet right now, I would say that they would combine for more than 10 um on the season now granted um obviously of course through the course of football season anything can happen and i think one thing that that we saw really in 2021 was you know clean tune had uh injuries that forced him to miss a couple of games and and you know some hits here and there um hopefully that 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 can be put behind him in this season he can play uh much closer to a full season if not all 12 regular season games this year and i think that'll be something in in houston's favor and even looking at at nathaniel bell uh specifically there was a bit of a stretch there during the season where he didn't score a touchdown for close to a month it was about three weeks um so I think going into the 2022 season, I certainly think the sky's the limit. And uh, like you said, off air, that you feel that Clayton Toon um, can take that next step, which um, he's already shown that last season, like you mentioned, 10 interceptions for the entire season. Four of those came the first game of the season. That was a completely difficult 180 turnaround. And one thing that, that I also want to piggyback on is just really how it, it seemed like the players, um, even when they struggled in that Texas Tech game following next week, um, they they rallied around too. And there was never a, oh, there's a question of, you know, that, there was point times they were point blank asked, you know, what are your thoughts on Clayton Toon? Uh, you know, is there struggles or anything like that? And then they would never waver. They said Clayton Toon's the guy. They had trust in him as a leader. And to their credit, he was able to turn it around um, 
relatively fast within the season. And not only that, but battle adversity in terms of injuries on top of that. And he came back stronger. And and to be quite frank, that might have ended up being a, a bit of a blessing in disguise. And now going into 2022, his confidence has got to be sky high. So that's only going to add to um, things that the, the duo has going for them. For sure. And we got to give credit to head coach Dana Hogerson because he came out and said before the season started or sometime last year that if Clayton Toon doesn't take that next step in year three under my program, then I'm doing a bad coaching job. And he, he was true to his word. Clayton Toon did take that next step. So he had, he deserves credit as well. And as far as Clayton Toon, the injury bug has plagued him throughout his career with those hamstring injuries in yeah. which last year he kind of said it, it kind of forced him to be more of a pocket passer. But when he's full strength, he's definitely a dual threat quarterback that could move the chains with his feet. But also going back to Tank Dell and you talked about the stretch that he had without touchdowns next year, he's going to be the number one player on the um, opposing team scouting report to stop him. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to allow him to beat him, especially with Alton McCaskill missing some of the season, potentially the entire season. So what other receiver is going to step up and make plays? Will it be Keyshawn Carter? Will it be some of the freshmen or other transfers? Someone is going to have to step up to force, to pull some coverage that way. Because I'm sure at times they're going to try to double take him. But Coach Hogerson and the offensive staff does an outstanding job of moving him around, putting him in the slot, putting him outside to get the ball in his hands quickly and not allowing teams to just hone in on where he is, putting him at the X or putting him outside at the X um, receiver. So, I mean, it's a total offensive philosophy effort that they've done at getting him the ball. But I'm excited to see this next year, if they could build up on that and take it to the next level, can they be um, in the conversation for some national awards and not just run away with these American awards or these preseason awards that really don't mean anything? No, yeah, for sure. You put it right on the money. And obviously, of course, uh, when you look at Nathaniel Dell, he's going to be entering his junior season. He's going to be looking um, he's going to be looking to put enough on film so he can take that jump to the next level. I mean, we, we were uh, talking about it. We were talking about it a while ago where uh, you look at some of the receivers that he and has been able to send to the next level in the past. And obviously the first one to mind more, more recently has to be uh, Mark West Stevenson and how he was able to be taken um, late in the NFL draft. I believe he was a six-round a six round pick and he ended up going to Buffalo. Um, I think Nathaniel Dell has a chance to, to be able to build up more of a resume and, and go a little bit higher in the NFL draft. And obviously, of course, Clayton Toon, this is going to be his final year regardless, you know, no matter what. Um, so obviously he's going to be looking to put a lot on the film to be able to, to give himself an opportunity to play at that next level. And that's something that quite frankly, you know, just at the beginning of last season, uh, would have been, if you would have said that it would have kind of been unfathomable just because of how he had struggled uh, before. And now he's put himself in a position where, Hey, if he, if he's able to string two seasons together, show that he's, um, being able to be, a much better pocket pass, so it's not necessarily reliant too much on on just being able to scramble when when his first option isn't there. That that was something that he was able to take a big step in um, this past season. And, and going back to what we mentioned at the beginning of the show, with how the team was really able to kind of rally around him, I was able to find this old quote from Tayshawn Henry, and this was going back to September 25. So this is still at very beginning of of this past season, 2021. Um, they asked him about Clayton Tune. This is his direct quote. Um, once again, this is Tayshawn Henry, and I quote: "He's QB one." 
team's confident in him. I'm confident in him. End quote. And this was in September when it was still a little bit um, hazy. Obviously, of course, they ended up rattling off 11 wins in a row. Uh, no one knew that at that point. And obviously, of course, there had been uh, struggles in terms of, of the injury bug. And, and you know, they stayed with him and it paid off. It paid off, and just a side note, Tajon here is another player who I'm expecting more out of, especially with Alton McCaskill being out for however long he is because he's a back that can catch it out the backfield and also explosive when he gets the, his ball in the hand, the ball in his hands. And so, yeah, I mean, Clayton Toon, like you said, I want to go back to one of your points. You made a really, really good point. It's his ability to um, make decisions and read the defense and not just key in on his first option. So I think that's another step that he must continue to take with surveying the defense. And when they take away his first option, like we mentioned with Tank, can he go to his third read, a second read, then third read, then back to his check down or um, extend the play with his dual threat ability and make plays? And, I mean, if he does that, I think he could potentially play in the, in the league for sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. I, he definitely has the talent and ability. He has to just put it all together, which he showed he can last year. And I think scouts will take a note of that because quarterbacks are always going to battle, battle adversity, especially um, at the next level. And so it kind of reminds me of Tony Romo when I watch him as far as mm-hmm. his – um, scrambling ability, not really a scrambler, but can extend plays, kind of a gunslinger, takes a lot of risk, but must be smart and, and not take too many risks and risk too many turnovers. So I'm, I'm very excited about this next year with Clayton Toon. I was very critical of him, you know, so was a lot of people after that first game. But, I mean, I give credit where it's due. Clayton Toon has turned it around, and, and I'm expecting big things from Clayton Toon here in this next year. That's an interesting uh, comparison, and I hadn't really thought about about it, but the more I think about it, I, I think you're right on uh, the money, especially um, what he's been able to show the last couple of seasons where that, that kind of ended up getting him in trouble because he, he tended to be um, one of the quarterbacks that would be willing to take those risks, and oftentimes it ended up you know, hurting him more often than, than paying off the last season. It kind of, he was able to find a lot more of that balance, and, and when he would take risks, um, being able to to hit on them more often. I think the other point that's going to be really crucial for Clayton Toon um, coming into the 2022 season, and that's going back to the injuries that we had talked about, um, one of the things that had been brought up a lot, um, even last season and, and certainly before that, was just how, you know, when he does scramble, uh, getting the ability to just slide down and not necessarily try to, uh, yeah. albeit once you're in the moment, um, and certainly it's going to be something that, that kind of, uh, inspires the team when you see the quarterback willing to, to kind of sacrifice himself a little bit to get that extra yardage. Uh, but sliding down and not necessarily taking um, those unnecessary hits for, you know, the extra yard, albeit uh, when it comes on first, second down, um, or early on in the game, that's going to be something that I can't remember what reporter it was, but one of them asked Dana Hogerson, and, and Hogerson was not having any of it, but he kind of joke oh would you think about sending him over to the baseball program so they could learn how to, to slide a little bit better <laughs> Dana Hogerson didn't have any of it but um that that's something to to watch as well see if if Clayton Toon um he did much better he did a much better job 
uh, of that after coming back from the hamstring injury and not necessarily uh, taking those risks, but you saw a little bit of it. Even um, I can't remember if it was in the national in the in the American Athletic Conference Championship game or in the Birmingham Bowl um, where he took a shot and he was you know side, he was you know banged up for a player too, but you know he ended up finishing that game. So it's something to watch. Similar to watch another player to watch who was on that. Dave Campbell's list on the second team was Christian Trahan, um, the, the senior tight end. He has very good hands, catches everything. And they actually feature him a lot in the offense. So I'm looking to see the next step that he can make, too. I think he probably learned a lot from Seth Green, who was a graduate senior who came over last year, who has got um, an invite to the rookie minicamp. So I'm looking for Chris, Christian Trahan to take that next step and, and be even a bigger part in this offense. I remember Dayton Hogerson a couple of years ago just raving about him and saying that he had the potential to play on Sundays with his ability to catch. And I actually called him his best receiving tight end that he's ever coached. So that's another player to watch watch out. And um, Patrick Paul, he's going to headline that offensive line in which at times Clayton Toon um, he struggled to be protected. I mean, that that was a huge yeah. struggle under protection. So that's a lot of key factors coming back. Another player who wasn't on that list, who I'm really, really high on, is DeAnthony Jones, man. I, yeah. It was time to go rush the passer. He was on the field. And I, I think with David Anini no longer there, I think he's going to get even more opportunities. He led the team in sacks last season. So I'm expecting a double-digit for a year, double-digit sack year, for Mr. DeAnthony Jones, man. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited about this team. For sure. And when you look at, at the U of H roster, there's a couple of players that, that could uh, stand out and could have potentially, you can make the argument for they could have been included in the list, but kind of looking more at the broader perspective, um, like I said at the beginning, Houston had seven players. That was second behind only Texas A&M. Um, and before we wrap things up, what does that say about Dana Hogerson and the coaching staff, what they've been able to build um, in now that Dana Hogerson is going to be entering his fourth uh, season being the head coach at Houston, which um, is a little bit absurd to say. This is already his fourth season here. Yeah, I mean, they've trusted the process, not only the coaching staff, but with the players. And so they've identified talent and they've helped develop talent. And so, I mean, that that's two key things that, that you want in your coach staff. They've been able to do that. And so, I mean, this next year is kind of a tell-all year because a lot of fans are optimistic. What's this just a, a one-year thing? Or have they really turned the corner and sustained getting back to what they were during the Tom Herman days as far as really being competitive year in and year out. And I think they have. I think they got the key pieces. The players believe it's always one message from the top all the way down with the coaching staff all the way to the bottom with the players. And so they've done uh, they've done a good job over these few years. We, not the players who don't want to be with the program, who wanted to move on and getting – the players that they want in and building around them and, and building the culture. We always talk about culture with the basketball team. I think the culture is in place and it's a winning culture for the football team. But when you have success, now comes expectation with Clayton Toon and the football team. Now you're going to be expected to produce even more. How are they going to handle those expectations? Are they going to exceed them? Or that's what I'm going to see. What are they going to do with those expectations? I'm expecting a big year, but they got to go out and do it. 
Sure, and, and we're going to leave it right there. Like uh, you said, Dayon, we're going to have a question for the viewers. Be sure to add us on Twitter or even in the YouTube comment section, wherever you may be watching or listening to this. How many touchdowns will Clayton Toon and Tank Dell combine for in 2022? This past season, they combined for 10. In total, Daniel Dell had 12. Clayton Toon had 30 passing touchdowns. Uh, and like I said, I'm going to go over – um, if I had to put a number, I'd, I'd say 13. How about a uh, unlucky, lucky 13 down would say you? Yeah, I say over 12. I'm going to go as far as 15. I think Clayton Toon throws uh -huh. about mm, 35, 40 touchdowns. I think Tank catches about 15 touchdowns. I want to hear from you, so if you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us and add us. While you're at it, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and give this video a like. But coming right up on Pod Slam Jamma, we're going to turn uh, the conversation around a little bit and focus on the future, the Big 12. Uh, on the Wednesday that we are recording this, uh, officially announced their new commissioner, Brett Yormack, Yormark, my mistake, and he will become the official new Big 12 commissioner that will lead the Power Five Conference into the next few years. Obviously, of course, this pertains to Houston, who will be joining the Big 12 in 2023. So we'll talk a little bit about that and some news and notes from the Houston men's basketball team you're watching and listening to Pod Simon Jam presented by Clutch City Control. Continuing here on Pod Slamma Jamma, like Andy just mentioned. Now we're moving over to some Big 12 news in which Brett Yormark is coming over to lead the Big 12. He was the chief operating office and president of business ops for Rock Nation. And it's kind of some different feedback that he, he's getting from different people, different press. How are you feeling about this new hire to lead the Big 12? Yeah, I think it's certainly a, a, it's a very um, kind of out there hire. I think it's I think it's more good for the Big Twelve, especially after um, before we jumped on this podcast, started recording. I, I read an article by the Athletic that kind of uh, delved into a little bit more about uh, your mark and and kind of his journey to to rise to this position. And and really, he he had to, um, according to the Athletic article, he's had to work his way up i did one of his first jobs in sports in general was with working uh the ticket office for the new jersey nets at the time and he slowly uh, worked his way up obviously of course like we mentioned he's has experience um with rock nation that was his most uh recent uh job that he held um uh, working with a lot of athletes and celebrities um as a part of that talent agency but before that um really he was able to spend a lot of experience kind of overseeing uh the company that runs the the Barclays Center in New York that obviously of course oversees the Brooklyn Nets and uh BSE Global and and really he played a pivotal role in kind of leading the Nets in the the initial move from New Jersey into Brooklyn so he's really savvy uh, a businessman that has been able to established a lot of relationships, even going back to a uh, prior to holding that role with the Nets. He worked at NASCAR where he was able to, to, you know, secure a lot of more lucrative deals for the racers and just branding opportunities. And I think that's going to be a real interesting component for the big 12, where um, we've talked about in the past when obviously, of course, they're losing their two biggest national name recognition brands, um, 
at the latest 2025, uh, Dan, I know you think that by 2023, they will be gone once uh, Houston and the rest of these schools join the, the Big 12. But that's going to be really pivotal, obviously, of course, because um, obviously when you think of the Big 12, yes, they are a Power 5 conference, but they're not at the level of the Big 10 or SEC. They're just, quite frankly, they're just not there. So it's going to be really important, especially when the next TV contract expires um, for the Big 12, which I believe is going to be in 2025 he's going to be tasked with negotiating a new deal and, and getting all these schools something that um, is lucrative, of course, but something that doesn't diminish value. And it's going to be, a, it, he's going to have a crucial role. He's going to be kind of tossed into the fire because he's going to have to oversee the departure of Oklahoma and Texas, which I'd imagine if they reach a, a, a buyout agreement to, to leave early and go to the SEC, he's going to have to be able to negotiate that to where it is obviously, of course, beneficial to the Big 12 programs and the Big 12 as a whole. And then obviously, of course, integrating the new schools. But uh, Dan, I'll toss it over to you. What do you think of these uh, uh, unconventional hires as how they phrase it? We'll, we'll dive into a little bit more specifics in a bit. Well, I'm going to lean more on you because I haven't done my homework or read as much as into it. But some of the things that stuck out to me that you just talked about was some of the job and the things that he handled. And one text um, that that he's going to be taxed with, I'm sure, like the conference that you mentioned, the Big Ten. They have a Big Ten network, SEC. They have an SEC network. And one thing that the Big 12 doesn't have is the Big 12 network, which I think it was in the shadow of um, – Longhorns because they have Texas, the Longhorn because yeah. yeah, they have the Longhorn network and so I wonder will that be in discussion to try to get a Big Twelve network or and but anytime I don't know how close he has worked with Jay Z but if if he I'm sure he has somewhat of a relationship and work um close with Jay Z if he's worked with him the billionaire I'm sure he has a great business mind his resume speaks for itself and I mean just in my opinion I like the hire because it's an unconventional hire not getting someone who's coming um particularly in the realm of college football he has a ton of different experience from NASCAR like you mentioned from the NBA relocating the Nets to Brooklyn and different things like that and so his 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 Different experience, I feel, will help him in this role um, exponentially. For sure. And and real quickly, um, obviously, since the Wednesday that we're recording this, uh, June 29th, it, it became official when the Big 12 announced it. Uh, in the press release, they included a quote from several uh, prominent figures, including the CEO of Fox Sports and NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, which is who I want to um, read the quote. This is once again from the NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, and I quote, Brett is one of the most skilled and knowledgeable executives in sports and entertainment. His decades of operational experience, relentless, relentlessness, work, work ethic, and strong industry relationships will be of enormous value to the Big 12, its schools, and fans, end quote. And uh, another quote I did want to read, this is from Texas Tech University president. He's actually uh, the board chair for the Big 12 conference, Lawrence uh, Shelvinek, and I quote, in Brett Yarmark, we have chosen a highly adaptable leader who thrives in dynamic times. The landscape of college athletics is evolving to look more like the world Brett has been leading. Um, He's an authentic and genuine in the way he builds relationships and partnerships, and he works relentlessly to deliver impact as Brett immerses himself in college sports and connects with all of our stakeholders. He will bring a fresh approach and dynamic energy to the Big 12 as we engage a new generation of student athletes and fans, end quote. So um, off those uh, two statements that I read, one from Adam Silver, one from the Big 12 chair, uh, it certainly looks, and really the one I want to focus on is from the Big 12 perspective, because 
because uh, like like I mentioned at the beginning, it certainly seems like they're banking on just his track record of what he's been able to do and not necessarily lead the conference in the ways you think in the past. Um, really, they're trying to look for the future and they're hoping that, one, like you mentioned, he's able to really be lucrative in the industry that he has profession in. And that obviously, of course, comes in being able to work with a lot of these uh, relationship partners when it comes to the media industry, when it comes to the sports media industry, specifically just with the experience he has overseeing, you know, working with the Brooklyn Nets um, so closely with so many years. And that's going to be pivotal, like you mentioned. Um, once that contract expires, think outside of the box because one of the things that are coming um, and it's already here and it's going to continue to grow in the future, that's streaming. And um, one thing that was brought up in that athletic article was um, the MLS, the deal that they had reached with, with Apple uh, TV to become that the exclusive streaming partner with MLS all games will be streamed that's going to be something to look at I believe that that deal was worth um I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head but it was a lucrative deal that that's going to be something to think outside the box because when you think of TV deals you know you think of the traditional you know TV networks, you think of CBS, you think of ESPN, you think of Fox Sports, but that's not necessarily the only avenue there is now, and certainly they're going to be much more invested in thinking outside the box. I mean, even the American Athletic Conference has their own part of of an ESPN plus uh, streaming platform. And like you said, that hasn't been the case. Um, side note, we're going to be, you know, we talked about it on Tuesday that we're recording. So we'll, we'll end up promoting this as well, but we were fortunate enough to be able to collab with the tailgate tailgate talks podcast and talk a little bit to them about um, what's the, the addition of Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU does to the Big 12 Conference. And one of the stuff that they mentioned was how you know Texas had really been pivotal in not allowing there to be a Big 12 network. So that's going to be something that will be crucial <clears throat> crucial going forward. And one thing that stuck out to me of what you said is, and which I think, um, Brett, your mark would bring, is unconventional thinking. And I'm sure that's one thing that he sold them in his interview. It is his unconventional thinking in different ways to, to make more revenue because he spent a lot of his time in NYC and which is one of yeah. the, the, the biggest um, as far as markets. Media um, markets. Yeah, the that's the media capital of the world. world. And he's been working with athletes and teams and different brands. So he, he knows what it takes as far as branding, as far as media rights and the relationships that he built in New York, I'm sure is going to be to his advantage. So, I mean, uh, I'm going to be excited to see what, what he does and what's to come for the Big 12. For sure. And then uh, one other note that we did want to touch on in terms of, of this hire, um, it's not all necessarily been, you know, optimistic looking forward. Um, there was, this is actually from the Sports Illustrated article that came out just before the Big 12 officially made it, um, officially made it official with the announcement that he was going to be their new commissioner. But in that article, uh, there was a quote by a, uh, Big 12 source, um, they didn't include his name. They just said he was Big 12 AD. And I quote, he says, I guess we'll put on good concerts, uh, question mark. Just because you don't know someone doesn't mean they won't be a good choice. But this isn't a time for a lot of on-the-job training, end quote. So um, that that one made me chuckle a little bit just in terms of, obviously, of course, in the past, um, and what he has been able to do for Rock Nation and, and even before that with uh, essentially being able to build up and kind of brand the Barclays Center in Brooklyn as a marquee venue in, in like we mentioned, New York City. That was a huge um, 
plus that he was able to be involved in it. And quite frankly, it was successful with just how uh, the Barclays Center has been able to thrive since it opened in, in 2012. So there's not necessarily a full, you know, optimistic approach. There's a lot of people that are a, a bit stunned and probably aren't necessarily as comfortable um, being able to, to with the as outside of the box hire, uh, quote unquote. But I think for the long term and at least what the reasoning behind it, just reading the the quotes from uh, the Big 12 chair and, and kind of some of the other stuff that were in that uh, athletic article, I think that's what's the, the reasoning behind it was they're trying to not only think of now, but think of the future in that landscape, um, a term that has become kind of um, really common the last few months is quote unquote new media, which includes streaming and includes podcasts, by the way. So <clears throat> if, if there's ever a big 12 network and you guys are looking for a Houston podcast, Hey, hit us up. But um, that's why I think it, it, it I think I like the higher. I don't think I, I like to hire more than you know some of these uh, Big Twelve ADs that might not necessarily uh, be as on board with it just because of the potential. And obviously, of course, we know that potential does not always translate to success. So it's still going to be a bit of wait and see. But I think. Uh, when it comes to Houston's perspective, I think it'll help them in the long run just because of the experience he has in the past, not only being able to work with all these national brands and national sources, national celebrities, you name it, but just the unconventional way that he's been able to have success in a whole bunch of different venues from NASCAR to the Nets to, to like, like I said, Rock Nation to the NBA. I think that track record is certainly a strong one that that it should instill some type of confidence, even though it's not specifically um, in a Big 12 market or, you know, the conventional, oh, he was an athletic director at one of these schools before. Yeah, you make a lot of good points. I mean, I really don't have anything to add. Uh, like you just said, I guess it's going to be a wait-and-see approach. He's going to be the, he's going to be judged by – the deals and all the things that he he do and so I mean let's see what he does I I'm, I wouldn't give him a chance I, I think it was a good hire you bring in someone who isn't like it comes from the outside world of college football per se but still has a great business spine and has I mean the resume speaks for itself everything you said the resume speaks for itself he's definitely qualified for the job let's give the man a shot let's see what he does yeah and on that note we will transition over to a bit of some news and notes, uh, specifically on the University of Houston men's basketball team, who this past Monday on June 27th, they uh, officially announced another non-conference game on the schedule. This will be November 11th at in Annapolis. Um, the University of Houston men's basketball team will face off against St. Joseph's in the Veterans Classic. And that is the second official, official um, announcement they have made and when it comes to, to non-conference. I know in the media availability that Kelvin Sampson spoke um, on last Thursday, um, he announced how they were going to have a game set uh, for November 7th against Northern Colorado. So really that um, non-conference portion of the schedule is beginning to kind of take shape. And um, the University of Houston men's basketball team said that they will officially uh, release the schedule in within the coming days. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on and monitor a day on any thoughts on that announcement before we uh, move on. I mean, no, no really thoughts. Uh, formidable opponents, St. Joseph's. Uh, uh, I'm expecting a win, although it's way early. It isn't until no, uh, November 11th, but yeah. it's a formidable opponent. Coach Sampson talked about his early years have 
teams were lining up to play Houston. Now they have to scramble and try to not beg, but also, but kind of beg for opponents to play them in a non-conference um, schedule. And so, I mean, I'm expecting dub for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, like I mentioned, so far, um, just as we look at some of the um, non-conference games that have been confirmed, this is going off the Houston Chronicle. So, like I mentioned, um, this past week, Kevin Sampson confirmed November 7th, they will be playing Northern Colorado. That'll be at Fertitta Center. That'll actually be the first game of the season. They will have to play Alabama, Rice, and Norfolk State, along with Kent State and North Florida and North Carolina A&T. All those will be home non-conference games uh, for the road. So far, they only have Oregon and Virginia and, of course, the neutral site game, like we just mentioned, that'll be St. Joseph. So, that non-conference schedule beginning to, to shape up and it will officially get released in the coming days, according to the University of Houston men's basketball team. Um, athletic department, shout out to Jeff Conrad that, that oversees the sports information sides for the men's basketball team. And in terms of uh, NBA Summer League, as we shift gears, there's also a lot of news that came out over the weekend with uh ex-University of Houston men's basketball players that will be looking to take that next step and, and carve a path for themselves at the next level in the NBA and beyond. And when we look at a couple of players, Justin Gorham, who obviously, of course, we we know his story. We know he, he's going to bring to the table when it comes to rebounding um, and just being relentless on the boards. He actually, that we're recording this, received his uh, Final Four ring on June 29th, he stopped by at the facility, obviously, of course, after playing in Germany this past season. Uh, professionally, he was able to finally get his ring, and he will be playing in the Summer League for the Dallas Mavericks um, upcoming. Um, obviously, of course, when it comes to this past season, a couple of players or four players that were seniors, and they're going to look to take the next step in professional. Tajay Moore will be playing for the Brooklyn Nets. Kyler Edwards will be playing for the Spurs. Josh Carlton will also be playing for the Spurs. And Fabian White will be playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. So a uh, good mix, big-time uh, team, especially Fabian White, going to be officially a member of the Lakers in the summer league, at least, of course. Uh, is there any player in particular that stands out just with the, the team they, they're in or that you might want or are curious to see how they play against, you know, uh, talent that's at the next level? Tajay Moore. Easily Tajay Moore. I think he will have a real chance to make that Brooklyn Nets team or even get a two-way contract and, and play in their G League and, and X amount of games in the regular season. I mean, his athleticism from what I've seen, but not only that, I think he really became a smarter basketball player under Kelvin Sampson and not just relying on his God-given athletic ability. He he really competes on the defensive end. He can knock down a three-point shot so he can, he can space the floor. He could be a three and D guy. And I think he, he can be in a game in the NBA right now. It's all about wings. He can be a really good wing player and a good role player Um. I don't know if you remember this player, but the likes of Gerald Wallace, who was in the NBA. Yeah, player, yeah, yeah like for sure. That, who, who could be very athletic, come in, um, contribute. And also, I'm, I'm going to kind of keep an eye on, on Josh Carlton. Josh Carlton, I know he's been – I saw some videos of him working out and even trying to expand his range, shooting his jump shot even more, knocking down some threes. And so I think – with the Spurs, I think they're 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 tanking. They're on a the tank job. They just traded um, Dejounte Murray 
to Atlanta, and I think they're tanking for the European kid. Um, I don't know. Victor Wendembaya. Yeah, Victor. I think yeah. that's the same job, so he may really have a shot. And, of course, one of my favorite players, the most winningest player in Cook history, Fabian White. How is he going to fare with the Lake Show? I mean, they need shooters. He's proven that he could be a shooter. And with Anthony Davis, I mean, you, you never know on how many games he's going to play. And so there may be a, a spot for him to get on the floor and, and get some of those minutes and kind of he can do some of the things that Anthony Davis can do as far as defend the post, knock down that mid-range shot, three-point shot. I don't know if he's as good defensively, definitely not as athletic as Anthony Davis, but he can definitely be that stretch forward uh, and have an impact on the game. I'm really excited about all the guys, even Kyla Edwards. Man, I, I want to see what he's going to bring. He's um, Arizona's um, – what, what, what's the kid name who got drafted? Um, Benedict uh, Matterin. Benedict Matterin. He really made it tough for him. I ain't going to say he locked him up, but he really, really made it tough for him. Benedict was a lottery pick. So yeah, he struggled in that. In that um, he really, really struggled. Sweet 16 so, uh, game. He did. So what that shows me is that Kyler definitely can play at the next level and defend at the next level. And so I think if he can just be consistent with knocking down his shots and with the, the way the floor is going to be spread in the NBA, I think he's going to show his ability to create even more in the NBA game as well. But some of the players who we didn't talk about, I'm sure maybe Nate Hinn may be in the summer league again with the, in the, with the Pacers in Indiana. Uh, I don't know if De- Dejan Dejan's still uh, rehabbing from his, yeah, his injury that he suffered. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if sure he's still re- rehabbing. I don't know if he's going to play. Uh, uh, I got to mention the board man, man, Justin going from my hometown, <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. I can't wait to see him. Uh, he's played professionally overseas this last year. And I think he received some really good advice from Coach Sampson. Coach Sampson told him just bypass the draft, go make you some money, then come back, in which I think it's kind of working out in his favor. He will get that opportunity to compete in the um in the summer league. And what he's shown is he can knock down that three-point shot. He he's smaller at his size, but the NBA really doesn't feature many post players. So with his, his toughness, his tenacity, his way to go out from the rebounds, I think he, he will have to show that he can knock down that shot. So uh, yeah. I can't wait to see how much he's developed overseas and what he's going to bring. I'm excited for all cools, man. What about you? What, any players that you're sticking out, you want to see how they're going to fare in the summer league? I think for sure uh, you hit it right in the head when it comes to Justin Gorham and and kind of to see how he does. Obviously, of course, now that he has that experience under his belt, that he has been able to play in the in a professional league overseas um, in Germany. And, and going back to what you said, I think what's going to be crucial for him is his ability that he can prove that he can knock down uh, the corner three. And I can't remember if if who exactly the player was that I uh, compared him to a couple of seasons ago, but there's so many players. And when you think of fours um, that aren't obviously, of course, aren't going to be asked to, you know, be an offensive, um, you know, carry the offensive load each game, but to be a nice role player that could come off the bench, being able to hit threes and, and obviously of course rebound and, and bring the tenacity on defense. That's going to be one thing that Justin Gorham brings to the table. I think the question mark with him is if he could be uh, consistent on offense and going, looking at what he was able to deal, uh, able to do overseas uh, for the basketball. And he shot 36.4% from the threes uh, overseas, which is a good percentage. Now it's going to be crucial to see if he can translate that and make an impact, whether it be for the Dallas Mavericks or someone else. And, you know, if he can knock down the three, he's going to certainly draw a lot of eyeballs um, 
at in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, and I think the other player, like you said, it has to be Fabian White, one, because of the team he's going to be playing for with the Los Angeles Lakers. And it's just going to be interesting to see how he does after um, all that he's been able to do at the University of Houston, like you said. Uh, the most winningest player in program history. He's um, obviously not necessarily going to be, when you think of a traditional player that's in the summer league, he's much more closer to a vet than he is uh, a young, younger player in terms of, you know, inexperience. That's going to be interesting to see how that translates over in the summer league and what he's able to do at that next level. Yeah, he definitely is a little older, but, in the summer league, you're playing against grown men. He's a grown man, so mm-hmm. I want to see how he fares. I don't want him to settle a lot for his jump shot because he, behind the back game is really good, especially in the mid post, being able to face up area, allies, uh, Paul Miss, Millsap, or and even Justin Gordon kind of um, games, kind of like Paul Miss have undersized, but it's going to mm-hmm. bang. It's going to get you get you some rebounds and can even score inside and so i'm excited for all these coups man I, it's just telling of the times of where you at in houston you come to houston they can get you to the next level and definitely they can get you to the next level let's just say that for sure and that's going to do it for today's episode so if you haven't done show, done so already please be sure to subscribe and give us a like on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, be sure to uh, give us a rating. It helps us out, and it takes just a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Also, like we mentioned during the show, we did a collab episode with the Tailgate Talks podcast, which should be dropping on June 30th, the same day that this podcast drops. So if you want to talk, or if you want to listen or watch to more of Big 12, University of Houston-specific uh, talk, we had a lengthy conversation, probably an hour-plus uh, long conversation, so be sure to give them a follow and listen to that episode where we talk about all things Houston and much more specifically Big 12 and their rivalry because they're from a Texas Tech perspective and like I said that's going to do it for today's episode so thank you for watching Dayon I'll let you say the final word. Like Andy just said man make sure you like and subscribe and also thanks to those guys for having us on their podcast but as always man go cool.